0: Hello and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. In this episode, Ian Montgomery and Nick Sherrod of Label Sessions talk to Fran Kozlarich. Fran is a design leader with over a decade of experience in launching corporate ventures with organizations like the Brussels Airport Company, before turning his focus to founding Turnio, the global experience commerce platform. He is passionate about enabling travel brands to deliver their own branded experiences to travelers globally. Over to Nick, Ian and Fran
1: to find out more. There we go. So Fran, um, tell us your story. So where are you in the world is now? What are you working on? How did that all happen? What's the introduction to, to the world of Fran?
2: Um, I'm currently in Zagreb in Croatia, my hometown, uh, where I moved back after about 15 years of roaming the world. Um, I'm co-founder of Turnio, and Turnio is actually a UK-based business. We've incorporated in London, and it's a B2B uh, platform that allows anyone and everyone to launch an experience store and sell experiences to their customers. So we're kind of like Shopify for experiences, if
1: you will, Um, and that's that. Okay, and how how did the story start? Where did the idea come from? Yeah, what was the kind of founding story?
2: So I was at Brussels Airport before this um, and I was innovation lead. I joined about three months before COVID kicked off. And although my initial job was meant to be um, go out there and find new awesome initiatives for our customers, for travelers, for airlines, three months in when COVID hit, my main job, my main task became find a way for the airport to make money without travelers, without cargo, and without uh, real estate income. And so it was a really interesting job. Um, And at that time, roughly, I also met up with um, my old friend, Mattia. And Mattia was at Expedia. He was um, head of B2B strategy at Expedia. It's a huge product where they enable everyone to sell hotels. So if you, Nick Sherrard, want to start a travel agency tomorrow, you want to start selling hotels, you're not going to you know, go and connect to every hotel in the world, you're going to connect to Expedia's API and you're going to start selling hotels. And similarly, if you want to start selling flights, you're not going to go and connect to every, uh, you know, airline in the world. You're going to go connect to Amadeus's, for example, software, and you're going to um, start selling flights. But the third biggest vertical in travel after flights and hotels, so each about 600 billion. The third biggest vertical is experiences. It's a $250 billion market and pre-COVID 80% of it was offline and there's nobody really building the infrastructure for B2B distribution of experiences. And when Mattia came to me with that idea, I was immediately hooked because I saw the need for additioning revenue streams in the travel business, but I also saw the potential of bringing that extra wow to the customer because that's the reason people travel, people travel to experience amazing people don't travel to sit in a plane seat people don't travel to sleep in a bed in a hotel they travel to experience things so
1: the smallest of the three verticals I'd say it's the most important one How have you found well I guess you've seen the travel industry from two different angles now you've been an innovation leader in a in an airport which is an unusual job anyway you've now been a founder in the travel sector it's an incredibly emotive category because people love travel and the experience in travel but it can be quite um, a technical, Industry and sometimes resistive to change in different ways. What's your sense of where the travel industry is today?
2: I think travel industry is such a wide term. It's kind of like financial services. You know, you've got so many different verticals within travel that are all very different, banking and insurance. It's It's similar with travel industry. You've got all of these different verticals. And then similar to how in financial services you've got fintech, now you've got travel tech. And travel tech is starting to wake up that industry. Um, and it's starting to respond to the changing customer needs a lot more and i would say covid accelerated that like covid has drastically changed people's um, habits for booking travel um, changed timelines and changed the the kind of the booking windows and people recognize that and i think travel tech post covid although still hasn't achieved i think the investment required because people are still a little bit Don't really want to invest too much into travel tech. I I do think that it's going to, we're going to see a renaissance of travel uh, more and more, and not in the most traditional ways. In the previous, people focused on innovation in B2C travel distribution. And it was all about marketing. You need to spend a lot of money to capture your, traveler's attention at the moment of booking. That's really tricky. I don't know when are you going to book your holiday. I don't know when you're thinking about it. And then when you do, I need to grab. That was all about pumping millions and billions of dollars into marketing in order to get your attention at the point of right? Today, there's all of the infrastructure in the back of travel that's changing. And that's our mission in a way too. We want to build the infrastructure, the backbone of experiences distribution in ETV, so that we enable other businesses who already have the attention of the guest, who already have the brand to offer their guests something amazing. And that's a that's a slightly different mindset, and that's why I almost don't see it, you know, as trends in the travel industry. It's there are trends in B two C travel, there are trends in B two B travel. Overall, I would say that people are focusing a lot more money and time into building the infrastructure and into the B two B element of travel.
1: And, and I guess the fintech comparison is interesting there with travel tech, because fintech outsiders typically see fintech as the challenger banks, whereas actually lots of the success stories are infrastructure or B two B facilitation of things. Um, But I guess in the FinTech example, a lot of that has been led through collaboration with the incumbents. Is that something you see happening in the travel industry as well? Absolutely. But
2: I don't know if incumbents is the right word because you will see a lot of new businesses enter travel that haven't been there before. So, of course, there are the huge benefits that we want to work with in the future that we probably will be working in the future all the way from, you know, the booking engines, the booking.com, to the Expedia of this world, et cetera. But what I see is when you build that infrastructure for travel distribution, it's not just them that can sell travel, it's anyone. And you can see that with Revolut now entering stays that actually I think uses Expedia API. But um, they've now entered uh, experiences as well. You can go into your Revolut app now and book an amazing experience in Edinburgh, where you are. And that to me is fascinating. Uber announced six months ago that they are launching experiences as well, so that when you go somewhere, you can experience something cool. And so what I see there is, when you say collaboration with incumbents, sure, the big the big boys as well, and girls as well, but it's also those new players, new huge players entering travel market, and it's a little bit like, you know, we, we don't know where it's gonna go.
1: And in terms of the traveler experience, have you got thoughts as to where that goes? Next, because I guess there was a yeah, the bit the, the, this change the user, the, but the, the traveler habits around how they buy travel and make trips happen has changed so much in recent years.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I i do. I think, um, like everything, it's a little bit of like like rubber, you know, being extend extended and then goes back and then goes out and then goes back. Similarly, sure, we're gonna go mass, or perhaps we have gone mass already, like Saviator and get your guide and all these big players distributing big amounts of tours and attractions and all that, but then you travelers tend to take us back to hyper-local. I want to go somewhere where someone else hasn't gone. I want a local recommendation from a local person working in a local hotel, local Airbnb, and I want to experience that, right? And you see those trends if you look at where travelers are moving, travelers are there are, I mean, I, I, I can't say I've got raw data for that, but I can see a lot of the writing in travel blogosphere and everywhere else moving from, instead of going to London, go to Liverpool. Instead of going to Toronto, go to Ottawa. Instead of going to Stockholm, go to Göteborg, you know, go to smaller places and experience something small, something different, something that isn't on the cover of every travel magazine out there. And in that case, distribution becomes harder. And in that case, what we want to do In Eternio, for example, is we want to enable that local host to offer you, the traveler, an easy way to book whatever local they're recommending, right? So if you think about it, we've got a client in Zanzibar, um, a resort in Zanzibar in Tanzania, and they're doing incredibly well. They're one of our most successful clients, and the reason for that is that their guests really trust them for local Zanzibar experiences that they offer digitally, but before we came along, they had to build that whole thing themselves: build a website, build a booking engine, the booking engine for a hotel, build then a booking engine for experiences distribution. It's very, very different to distribute those two things, and it's very expensive to build. So, solution like Turnio enables them to offer their guests local, hyper-local experiences um, in a digital, easy way, in a way that the guest is used to booking this.
1: Yeah, I'm going to let you ask questions,
3: otherwise I'm going to keep on going for ages. But you know. I was going to say it's like the, the hotel, like lots of hotels have lost concierges over the years so that they've kind of gone, oh, we don't need a concierge or they've devalued the position and then the hotel guest experience becomes worse. So I think it's kind of interesting of like, how do you have that hyper-local view of what's good? How can this be trusted? And maybe that's what makes you guys different from what's happening with Uber or Revolut offering experiences where it's much more impersonal. There's no... Um, the, the the trust might be there in the brand, but the trust isn't there necessary in the recommendation.
2: Absolutely. And two points you've hit on the head there is one is the likes of either get your guide and we'll struggle, I think, that or the BTC players in general, the global hyper platforms, with very small places. Like if you Google a small island in Croatia, or if you go there and look for experiences on a small island in Croatia, you're gonna get Dubrovnik, which is three hundred kilometers away. And and they're really present there, but they're not present like three islands across two hundred kilometers, right? Which is where, if there was a villa host there using Ternio, they could actually be offering those hyper local experiences that these guys just can't, can't grab. So that's one point you've mentioned. And the other one that I really like is that element of concierge. And I, I'm going to go back to financial services. We just started along those lines. Of, the three of us have designed enough banking products in our life to, to <laughs> kind of go down that route. You know, when we were designing digital banking products, oh, exactly if you remember, it. there was always this fear. In the, in the industry, oh, you're going to replace personal bankers. You're going to remove them. Once I have this, I'll never have to talk to anyone again. etc. And we've seen in financial services industry and we see in the travel industry, that's just not the case. People always have a need for human interaction as well. And we see some of our clients, like a hotel chain here in Croatia with 27 properties, has three properties that are five-star, like collections, um, premium, let's say, segment. They've got concierges there. And those concierges are still doing an amazing job talking to customers who want to talk to a concierge, recommending them local uh, amazing things, and, and even booking it for them. However, those same hotels are kind of complementing that with a digital element where we've had a, 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 a guest who flew in on a private jet to Bois Airport and booked his transfer from the pre arrival meal of that five star hotel. He didn't need anyone doing anything for him, even. Even premium guests sometimes want to self serve. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to book this in, right? And and that was the three hotels with concierges. But the 24 other properties they have with 10,000 kind of room capacity didn't have concierges ever. And those guests never received any recommendations because front office really struggles on a Saturday afternoon, checking in hundreds of guests to recommend you oh, this is my favorite restaurant and this is the awesome experience you can do here. So again, I think solutions like ours are complementary. You will never replace the staff there, similar to how financial services solutions never replaced, them, I don't think they ever will personal bankers. Or private
1: bankers. It's, an, it's an interesting thing here in terms of beyond, in terms of your innovation, beyond the kind of output of it, how you're operating as well. So you're building a global distribution platform uh, and you're a small entrant in this kind of space. So how are you thinking about doing that?
2: Yeah, you sound like our VCs, you know, when they were assessing us. How are you going to build a supply? How are you going to get these guys digitized? So I'm not going to go into a defensibility, let's say, here uh, from that perspective. But listen, we're also still finding that product market fit. We're at pre-seed-seed stage. And what we see is this solution is brilliant for a number of different segments. It can be great for hotel chains and boutique chains, right? Who already have dozens of partners they're working with. We're just bringing them on to a digital solution, so that you don't have to call and say two guests for tomorrow for this tour, but instead people can do that digitally. Right? So, so existing partners bring they bring the supply on for us. So when we sign on a new hotel chain, they just bring their partners and say, hey, partners, from now on we're going to be using this tool, so please like load your tours onto Turney. Then we've got independent hotels and they tend to not bring their supply because they might not work with that many, right? But they'll taggle all the supply that's already there. So, so you could have that hotel chain brought over some partners. We complement that with a few more partners and then independent hotels can also start kind of uh, uh, selling tours and experiences to their guests. But the most interesting one that we're going to explore soon, and I can give you a little exclusive about where we're going next, is actually resorts, you know, and it's boutique resorts. Who are actually have a huge trust from their guests. Uh, and when you land in a resort, let's say in a in an exotic place somewhere, you don't really know what to book and where and you trust that resort because you're kind of like that's your family. That's your you don't have friends in the Maldives or Barbados or wherever. You've got your family and that's the resort you're staying at. And we really want to empower those resorts because we see the incredible value we brought to our existing clients of that type. And so our next big focus area is actually uh, resorts um, after the summer season in in Croatia uh, or in the Mediterranean, where we're mostly working at the moment. And so I'm going to be hopping on a plane uh, in a month's time, and I'm going to be landing in Arunba first, uh, and I'm going to be spending the next three or four months um, talking to and and working with local resorts in the Caribbean um, and looking at awesome experiences that they
1: can offer. So if you've got any great content. I mean, it's also, that—that that is a good bit about working in the travel industry. It's not like you're uh, being sent off to some industrial estate in Slough or something. as It's Aruba. It's, a <laughs> it's like you're not even a resource. are
2: Slough. Slough always had the worst, the worst <laughs> reputation, you know. And I'm sure there are some great experiences in Slough as well.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo
1: with our team. So to be fair a bit about you you as a leader of this thing, so how do you stay resilient? I mean, that is, I mean, it's nice to be in a rebirth, but inevitably there's success days and there's hard days. How how do you find that journey?
2: It, It is, yeah. It's hard, I think. So me and my co-founder work really well together because we're very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got two kids. Um, she's a little bit more of a, has a base here. Um, and I was always kind of like my Instagram handle flying frown, like always just like You're heading somewhere. And whatever. Uh, but that gives a good balance to the business as well, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's tricky. I'm not going to lie. I feel like uh, I'm fully immersed now into this. I mean, I'm finding it hard to like get out of that. But that's that's how I work at this stage of my life, and that's okay, and they can afford to do that. But sometimes when things are not going as planned, it is really, really challenging. And just talking to people, and especially your co-founder, you know, the team, et cetera. We're very open in our team. We're very, we, we always share stuff that we have going on in our personal lives, et cetera. And that really helps share a bit of fears as well. Like everyone's like, oh, you're going to the Caribbean for, I don't know how many months to do this, and I'm like, yes, but I'm actually shit skier. You never know how it's going to pan out. You never know whether it's going to be successful. And kind of like landing some all on your own and you're hustling. And we know hustling is hard, especially when you're kind of a bit alone. But then obviously having the support from the team at the base and all of that really means a lot. And we've got a clear plan of how we're doing things. So, um, yeah.
1: I got like a cut off there. It's unusual. He's quite, he's quite well behaved when it's recorded, friend. I discovered this. It's like he gets uh <laughs>
3: Um, I was going to say, like, where do you go to feed your brain relating to travel? Because, like, you've gone and built a business in something you're really, really passionate about. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder, or does it mean that you have to go and check the bias that you might have for what you're going to make? Yeah,
2: that's a really great question. And, you know, I never wanted before to work in financial services. I just fell into it like we all did. And then... I started really loving it and learning about it, but it was never a passion. It's not. Then it became a passion. Like I actually collect now cards and credit cards and check these out and points. And what well, travel and and aviation actually was completely the opposite. I was always an aviation geek. I loved planes. I loved airports. I loved everything to do with that. And when I started working in an airport, I got really scared. I'm going to start hating it now because it's your day job. And I didn't, you know, like, uh, the smell of kerosene in the morning, uh, as you walk into your office building was always, you know, a great feeling. Um, and I kept reading the blogs that I used to read and, and the, all of the stuff I used to read before aviation with travel. It's a bit different because I travel and everyone, and, and the way I travel might be very different to the way you and travel or unique travel, right? It's different phases of life. It's different whether you're traveling with family or not, with kids or not, with elderly or not. It's how much money you've got. It's how much money you want to spend. All of these things are very different. So I think it's important to design products and travel that, you know, you don't just think about yourself. You talk to customers, you talk to people and you design according to their needs. But obviously I do feel like my experience in the past has helped me a lot because everywhere I travel, wherever I stay, hostels, hotels, Airbnbs, whatever, the one tip I would always give to other travelers who would ask me like, how how did you, you know, you've traveled through Colombia? Isn't it dangerous? Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, whatever, Rwanda, what, what, what I, I always say, just ask it the host and, and listen to what they tell you. If they tell you not to go buy drugs in the side alley, don't go buy drugs in the side alley. If they tell you this is safe, at night, it's safe. at night. They tend to take a taxi, take a damn taxi. You know just listen to that local voice um and that was key in this whole idea as well and as we were developing it just people do trust your host you're sleeping there you're leaving all your belongings there you're that's your little base wherever you're traveling and so that's something that as an idea from my past has really few this this thing here that i always trusted hotels and hostels i was staying at with bookingly and for experience now the big difference that i have to keep in mind is in hostels They have budget stuff, and they know that you won't pay a huge premium because you're paying five bucks a night, right? So you're not going to pay three hundred bucks for a premium, how long bay experience, where you can go on a hundred dollar how long bay experience. Now, people still have a perception that we need to break that hotels, that everything a hotel sends you, like sells you, is paid with a huge profit margin. For example, the peanuts. If you know that episode of Friends when Ross talks about. You know the peanut bag or the little bottles of wine or whatever that are always like five times the price that they are down at the bar. That's changing. Like hotels that use Turneo to to sell tours and experiences to their customers, they have a price guarantee. Like you can literally, you know, it's the cheapest you will get that particular tour. Of course, there's a private tour and there's a group tour and this and that. But that it's really important to note that, yeah. Gone are the days when they would just hike up the margin. Today, it's all about the guest experience and the importance of guest experience in in the overall travel the, the, of tour or an experience in the overall
3: travel. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the tour, it's like the trips where you would get um, if you buy it too cheap, then the tour guide stops at every gift overpriced gift shop along the way and is picking up their exactly. Commission so you're paying for it in some way. Yes, I feel that exactly. there's a like savviness that travelers got around like right where am I going to get the best value not necessarily what's the yeah. cheapest thing
2: yeah exactly and, and you know, especially you know, for the those those life changing experiences like if you're going to North Vietnam you're going to Sapa and in Ha Bay yeah. and you want those to be awesome you don't want to be on a rat infested boat in Ha Bay eating horrible food and end up with a food so you don't want to buy it off a random someone on the streets of Hanoi you know you probably want to buy it somewhere that you trust it and what i feel is i would much rather trust someone i've paid maybe a couple grand of accommodation with or whatever than with 500 strangers on the internet because those 500 strangers on the internet that might have left reviews for something etc they might be completely different right so because people in a hostel are completely different than people in a hotel than people at a five-star hotel and so i want a tour that's for me and if i'm not a romantic you know, I'm, I'm on my honeymoon in Hanoli or whatever and staying in a romantic couple's, you know, boutique hotel, which Hallam Bay tour do you recommend? That's what it's about.
3: Um, did you see this week, like, well, last week, that, like, um, Time Out in London died?
2: No, I haven't seen that. That's quite sad.
3: I saw a thing about it yesterday saying, like, Time Out was gone and then like, someone else were interviewing this week. He sort of tweeted, like, um, actually, like, the internet hasn't replaced... What Timeout used to be like ten years ago, not when 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 you when you paid for a copy of Timeout, it was like every single thing that will, anybody will find interesting in London is in this magazine, and then that kind of died because the internet came along. But no internet source replaced the every single interesting and weird thing that's happening in London this week is now on the internet or in a consolidated place. There's something kind of interesting of like when you like as a traveller you go and look to book a tour at the moment. And you'll get like fragmented shit across websites and you'll get something that looks vaguely legit, but then you're going, why is that $300? Because it doesn't feel like a $300 trip because the margin is so chunky. How are you finding like consolidating? Because you're doing it in like a local manner. How do you bring all the different places together?
2: You mean different types of experiences or?
3: Yeah. Do you like, are you going to the matter of like, let's put everything together? Are you like curating it? How do you do? Like the quality control. Like, what's the sort of philosophy that you're exploring there?
2: So we see ourselves as a travel tech, as a software provider. I want to be a software provider to the hotel or or a hostel or apartment manager, but hotel mainly, that enables them to offer their guests amazing experiences. So I'm not the one curating. It's our hotel clients who are. So they know best. They're there. They're local. And they know best two things. One, things that are happening around their hotel, like, oh, my God, this amazing new truffle hunting experience just started there. Oh, my God, this new water park for kids opened, uh, et cetera. So they know the supply best in those places. But they also know what their guests ask them. And therefore, they know the demand, right? So they know that guests will keep asking them, where do we go with kids? Or guests asking them, you know, I want a gastro experience because I'm in these about food here, olive oil and wine and truffles. And so we, I, want, I want them to curate their stores. right? So, so it might be sometimes that we advise them and say, you know what, you've got a great store for gastronomic experiences, but you're missing a little bit on the boat and sea stuff because a lot of people come here for boat and sea stuff as well. So then we'll, we'll suggest to them, you might want to add a few of these. But more often than not, they suggest to us things that they're going to be adding to the store because they know their guests better and their surroundings. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Like bigger platforms can't, can't do that. They can't curate. They can't have a local guy. In a B2C world of global distribution and experiences, you cannot have a local guy in every village, in every town, in every region, right, to curate. And therefore, you just go and you pump up whatever is selling, right? So you're going to have 50 tours of Attican City and you're going to have 50 tours of I don't know uh, London and Big Ben, right? So whereas in in our case in B two B distribution, it's it's a lot easier because you've got the local person and and they're the ones basically making those
3: selections. I'll do the quicker questions now, friend. Okay. We always like end on like two or three like sort of quickfire things, but like yeah, I think the thing that's interesting for you is what destination in the world right now is overhyped and what destination is underhyped. I think the
2: big overhyped destinations are the big cities that we all used to love and go to the Londons and the Parises of this world. And, and, you know, the up and coming are the secondary cities mentioned. So that's one big thing. And another is safety is changing face, I would feel. Destinations that were once considered unsafe um, are today some fastest growing tourism markets. You know, example, Colombia It used to be seen as you do not go there. And today, Medellin is one of the most amazing cities that everyone wants to go and visit. (laughs) Uh, And so I feel like that's changing as the security situation is changing in certain countries. And that's becoming a real boost for the local economy, for infrastructure. So, yeah, I would say that that would be my answer. But it's not
3: really what you asked. Where do you not want to go to? Maybe that's a better way of doing it.
2: I do not want to be on the highway leading to the Croatian coast right now because it's swamped and packed. Um, we're in the busiest period of you know, the summer season. Um, that's where I don't want to be, but I do want to be on a wonderful like, coast and islands. Um, there is no place, literally, There, like, if I think about some of the maybe roughest areas of the world right now, I want to go there one day. And I really hope that what's happening to places like Colombia or Rwanda today, you know 20 30 years um, okay. after some really horrible times will in 20 30 years happen to wonderful places like syria and afghanistan and iraq and that those places with huge cultural impact on the civilization in general will be you know open to tourism so i would say there isn't a place i, I wouldn't want to go um today
3: uh, are you a window or an aisle man
2: aisle always aisle um, because you can just like pump your head over and, and look in for two minutes or take a photo and then, yeah, I'll sit in.
3: And then last one, how weird are you on a scale of one to 10?
2: On a scale of one to 10, I'm just gonna go with an average five for weirdness.
3: You're ra- you're a rare person, very few people pick the average. Really? Very few people go with down the middle. Most people are like, I'm not weird or they're batshit crazy.
2: Yeah, I'm probably a bit of both,
0: which averages out at a five. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice and of course start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.